if anything exists, it's, it's entirely appropriate to ask, why does this exist? And is, is it actually accomplishing its purpose? And when you're talking about 50 million people under the age of, you know, 20 in this country who are engaged in this one type of activity, man, yeah, why are we here? This is the Community for Coaches podcast, where we explore how to intentionally and effectively use sports to transform lives. This is episode number four of the Community for Coaches podcast. I am your host, Alec Lemon, and today I'm pretty excited because we're doing um, module one, lesson one, and the topic today is the power of sports, the problem of sports. And so as you're listening, I want you to go over to the show notes and look through there where you can kind of follow along with the actual lessons that we use to have these um, discussions in our coaching life groups. I think you're going to really enjoy the episode and thank you for listening. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Um, I'm excited to get started with this um, with this series that we're um uh, through the coaching life groups. Uh, this is module one, lesson one. And the topic today is the power of sports, the problem of sports. So right. um, before we jump into that, um, how are things going? It's going How's well. Summer? Yeah, fantastic. In fact, this week I just began uh, a new football season coaching a group of fifth and sixth grade boys, including my youngest son. And we've had our first couple of practices and I'm fired up, man. These kids are doing great and really looking forward to seeing, uh, how they progress and develop over the next couple of months. That's awesome. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Well, so we're getting ready to start this. This is kind of an example of, you know, how you would lead a group or run a group. So um, on this first kind of gathering of coaches, what, what can a coach expect? Like if this is their first time going to a coaching life group in person, you know, this is kind of a, a virtual experience, but if they were to go in person, what, what could they expect when they show up? So coaching life group is going to be pretty much what it sounds like probably, but uh, a group of, you know, anywhere from three to maybe 10 or 12 coaches who are going to get together on a regular basis. We, we run the groups typically, I mean, I I guess, you know, we could make exceptions, but typically uh, with CFC, we're running these groups from like the middle of September through early November, getting together on a weekly basis and then shutting it down for the holidays and then start up again in late January and go through early April. Um, but the conversations and the lessons that we go through together, the things that we read, the things that we talk about, they're all built around these ideas of why do we coach? How are we going to define success? What does it look like in order to, you know, if I say I coach in order to promote, um, you know, character traits, X, Y, and Z. Um, well, the first thing we're going to do is actually, you know, work through a set of lessons that will define, help us define our purpose um, so that we know what our target is and why we, why we have been called into this role. Um, but then the, the, the second part of that is going to be, okay, then practically speaking, what does that look like? How do we, how do we, pers- how do we pursue those things in meaningful ways? Um, and, and, and also, you know, the, the context of the group, you know, we can, we can read books and work through resources and watch videos and all that. And those things can be really valuable. Um, and now taking that, that same type of, uh, uh, of an idea and, and putting it into the group setting where there are people who, um, you know, can be supportive and encouraging and that we can, connect with on a deeper level um you know there's there's really there's a lot of value in that as well what i've benefited the most from it is 
being able to basically articulate, Hey, here's what I want to accomplish in my coaching. You know, I want to develop these types of leaders, leaders that are driven to be excellent, but at the same time, like they have a sense of empathy and compassion for others. And so they really care about people. And once I articulate that to the other coaches, now those coaches have a a real way to kind of hold me accountable or to give me encouragement or advice on how I'm, how I could better reach that goal that I've even set for myself. And, and with abstract goals like that of character development, you really need um, coaches that, that get that mindset, that get that objective and they want to help you get there. I want to jump in and just say this, you know, one of the things that we talk about with coaches is, you know, almost universally, when you talk to people who are coaching, coaching, uh, you know, children, uh, middle school, high school, even the college level, if you ask these coaches, is winning important? Yes. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. We can agree on that. Is winning the most important thing? The vast, vast majority, I would estimate about 99.5% of these people will say, no, winning's important, but it's not the most important thing. And then when I follow that question, when we follow that question up with, okay, well, then what is the most important thing? It is very rare that a coach has a well thought out answer or a plan um, you know, to achieve what he or she believes is the most important thing. And so what the coaching life groups are really designed to do is to help them identify, okay, what are my most important things as a coach? And then how do I, how do I meaningfully move in that direction? One of the first thoughts in the lesson is um, kind of this, it talks about there's 50 million American children in organized sports, Yeah, which is, is a crazy number. And it kind of begs the question of like, wow, if there's that many kids doing this, you know, what is this really about? And how are we doing? You know, how are we doing? That? Absolutely. It's, it, there's, there's no, I mean, we, there's no elective activity. I mean, kids on the whole have to be in school. So more American children are in school than play sports. But as far as things that kids don't, you know, have to do, there's nothing that brings together a larger or more diverse group of people. Um, and in this case, young people than does sports. And so you yeah, the questions that you posed are, are really important. If, if, if something, if anything exists, it's, it's entirely appropriate to ask, why does this exist? And is, is it actually accomplishing its purpose? And when you're talking about 50 million people under the age of, you know, 20 in this country who are engaged in this one type of activity, man, yeah. Why are we here? What are we doing? Right. And, and the other thing is, it's like, only a very microscopic amount of those kids are going to play professionally. So for almost for 99.9%, this is a, you know, um, an experience they're going to have that they're not going to, this isn't probably going to, this is not going to be their profession. So what's the value for all those people? Cause we spend five over 5 billion each year on costs and travel and lessons and all those right. things but this isn't going to be their career. So what is the return on investment for this sure. is a big yeah. question. Too. As an adult, as a parent, as a coach, why, why are we spending all of these resources? This, the, the amount of time and the dollars that we spend on sports, it's staggering. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It, it should be a very good thing if we're mindful of, you know, of our purpose and, 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 you know, doing a good job of identifying that purpose and, and, and pursuing it. Um, but it is, when you look at those numbers, it's mind blowing, um, when, you know, to really, you know, sit down and think about, okay, gosh, that's just a whole lot of people spending a whole lot of time, uh, and money, um, you know, chasing a ball around. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, and I, I agree with you. Like it's, it is a huge investment or, but it needs to be, why is it worth it? You know, I think we, we can talk about, you know, the economy, natural resources, oh, we're running out of these natural resources or different things like that. But in my mindset, um, the most valuable thing you can invest in is people because people have the ability to literally create an entire new industry right. that can generate all kinds of new revenue. And so people are the best investment. And that's through, I think we do that through education, but then also through sports is actually a great way to develop people. And so I think it's worth the investment, but only if it, it is in fact in developing better people, better leaders, innovative leaders, um, kids that can grow up with good values, all these things. If, if it's not doing that, if it's actually developing the kind of people that don't make the world better, well, then it's definitely not worth it. But if, but if it is, then it's worth more than $5 billion, I would sure. say. It's worth more than that. Um, well, the potential so, value is limitless. The, potential, yeah. the amount of potential good that can come from young people playing sports and being a part of this you know, type of activity is literally limitless. Um, when you consider mm-hmm. the, the good that can be done in the life of just one child, now multiply that times 50 million, now extend that through future generations uh, yeah, that's a big deal, man. And that's something we need to be mindful of and that we need to steward well. So Joe Orman says one of the greatest myths in our society is that sports build character. They can, and they should, but sports don't build character unless a coach possesses it and intentionally teaches it. What's your reaction to that? Yeah. And I think there are a couple of key words there. Um, I mean, can, should, uh, but then also <laughs> intentionally, you know, we have this idea when we mm. talk to, parents, you know, the adults who are involved in, in getting kids involved with sports that, well, it's good for our kids. Well, like Joe says, it can be, it should be, but far too often it's not. Um, yeah. The thing, the difference typically, uh, and again, his statement is, a, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a broad generalization, but if if you assume that there's some truth to it from a guy like Joe Ehrman, who, who clearly has a whole lot of credibility. And by the way, if, if you listening don't know the name Joe Ehrman, I would suggest you Google him and watch his uh, you know, TED Talks and read his books and things like that. But anyhow, um, you know, this idea that sports will build character if a coach possesses it and intentionally teaches it. Um, you know, we go back and forth in our society. Is more caught than taught or is more taught than caught? And I think, you know, De- depending on our purposes, um, you know, people use those, uh, they, they tend to use whichever one of those expressions is more convenient for them. Um, but I think what we can agree is that there's probably some truth to both. But in this case, you know, more is going to be taught than caught along the lines of, of, of using sports as a tool to build character in young people. Um, when the coach intentionally teaches it, when the coach is mindful of, of his or her purpose, um, and the difference that he or she can make in the lives of these kids, um, they're going to be far, far more effective at using sports as that tool to, uh, to meaningfully uh, impact the mm-hmm. life of young people in positive ways. Yeah. yeah. So one of the other things that's talked about here is, you know, I think some, some coaches might feel like, you know what? No, I, no, I think sports is teaching character. I think you guys are being overly pessimistic to say it's not. Um, but there was a study done 
ESPN actually reported on it. It was a 17-year study conducted by Sharon Stoll at the University of Idaho. Um, and so one of the things she talks about is um, how the longer kids are in sports and the more competitive that sport is, or even when it's a revenue-generating sport, sure. when they tested them over a 17-year period, they actually declined in their character in the areas of um, kind of honesty and fairness, um, which is kind of interesting. Right. Um, what's your, what's your, do you, what's your comment on that? Or yeah. You know, and I'm familiar with the study that you're referencing. 72,000 athletes surveyed over 70, 17 years, excuse me. Uh, yeah. But this idea that, like you said, when, when the, the longer that in general, and again, we're talking about 72,000 athletes, so anybody can find an exception to any of this. But in general, the longer the athletes participated in sports, the more it had a negative effect on their overall character. And, and you know, how would we define character? Well, you gave a couple of examples. Their sense of honest, honesty, fairness, um, you know, being a team player, uh, those types of things. Athletes tended to be more uh, cutthroat, win at all costs, cut corners, break rules. Um, and selfish the longer they participated in sports, which is, I think, yeah. what we can, at least most of us can agree, the exact opposite of what we're going for when we're right. training young people. There were, there were some positives, I believe, in the study that, like, they, they did understand the importance of working hard, um, you know, being committed. There were, there were some positives, but there was also kind of, it was a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know what? We spend way too much time and money on sports, particularly time. Um, because that's the one resource, you know, for any of us that we never seem to have enough of and can never get back. Uh, we spend too much time in the lives of young people to, to, for sports to be a mixed bag. One of the most important things is that the coaches need to be able to have self-awareness to take responsibility for what they can take responsibility for instead of trying to always, because when we talk about sometimes these, these horrible stories of how sports have gone wrong, typically we don't paint ourselves as the bad guy. Typically we are painting someone else as the, the person who's messing up the sports experience, but we sort of have to take a step back and be like, okay, well, how, how am I contributing, you know, to the problem or the solution of sports? Right. You know, I think that's important. So. Yeah. I, um, well, you said a little bit ago that when we, when we don't realize we're part of the problem, then we are not motivated typically to, to be part of a solution. Yes. Um, yes. And so I think rather than, you know, cause I can tell a story about, you know, I saw this person do this or this parent do that or this official, you know, in this situation mm -hmm. and those aren't about me, but at the same time, we, and by we, I mean all adults that are involved in youth athletics, parents, coaches, officials we are part of a system part of a culture that we have helped to create or at least we have helped to perpetuate that i'm not going to tell you it's all bad and we've 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 mentioned that there's a whole lot of good that, that goes on out there but that does far too much damage and there's way too right. much negativity and ugliness and brokenness and if we don't see ourselves as as having some hand in the creation of that culture, um, we might not realize that that we have an opportunity to be part of, 
you know, reversing those trends and seeing that ugliness undone. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking of a story actually that happened to me, I think maybe three years ago um, where I was actually involved in kind of a, a small sports brawl. Um, I'm coaching. So I coach teams in the inner city, coach soccer teams, refugee kids, and, right. and a lot of immigrants. And, um, you know, it's teenage boys. It get it can escalate. And so there was, you know, some bad calls by the referee, so to speak. And, and really, but it was, it was both ways, you know, it was just a physical game. And I had one kid that is especially fiery. And so, you know, he was on the bench at the moment, but someone else kind of made a bad tackle. And so he came off the bench and went after this other kid. And as soon as he did that, literally the benches cleared for both teams. And so, I ended up having to jump over the wall, grab that kid that was the problem kid, put him in a headlock while the other coaches from both teams tried to get everybody calmed down. And it was kind of a, a moment of chaos, you know? Right. And so when that happened, you know, I never thought I would be one of those coaches caught in a brawl. And for the most part, the coaches handled it pretty well, but we still got caught in a really bad situation. And so sure. I could have said, Oh, this kid is the problem, blah, blah, blah. But instead, you know, after thinking about it, I was like, you know what? And I talked to my other assistant coaches and we were like, we haven't done a good enough job preparing these kids for these kind of explosive moments. Right. And so we had to sit down with our team and say, hey, what do you do when something happens? You know, how do you handle that better? And so we talked about how you don't go after the other team. You grab your own teammate and you pull him away from the conflict. You know what I mean? Instead of going after the other team you you grab your own team at and you pull them away and that kind of de-escalates thing but you can't go after the other team and grab another guy you know and so we've had other situations in the future since then where it easily could have escalated to to a fight but the kids remembered what we talked about it we even rehearsed it at practice you know what i mean because you're talking about kids kids um that you know, they have a lot of testosterone and passion and excitement for the game. And so we literally at practice said, Hey, this is what happens. What do you do? And so they grab their teammate, they pull him away and we haven't had a, we haven't had a brawl since then. Um, and so, but I just give that an example of like that mindset of you got to just try to take responsibility as much as you can for, for, for what you can do as a coach. And I realized I had a lot more ability to influence those situations than I realized. Right. You know? It's, you know, it's, it's, that's a, that's a really, that's a really meaningful story because it would be easy for you to say, and, and I think you, you touched on this. Well, that fight wasn't our fault. Well, yeah. Okay. And that's, that's a fair statement. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think it's entirely correct for you to say that fight wasn't our fault, but the other piece of it is, you know, did we have an opportunity to could we could we have prevented it you know were we in a position to to do something about that um you know could we have been a part of uh you know creating a climate where that wouldn't have happened and i think it's as you found out the answer to that is absolutely yes and so that that's that that does take a level of humility and awareness um for, for a coach to come to that place to say, okay, I don't, I don't do this perfectly. And I, and I continually want to get better because I want to, I want to continually do a better and better job for the kids that I'm working with and meeting them where they are and, and seeing what their needs are and giving them the tools 
I mean, gosh, if you can help kids stay out of soccer fights, what other thing? <laughs> what other things are you helping them do as they transition well, from uh, you know adolescence into adulthood? Yeah, and that actually is something. It's a really, really practical tool for them because in a lot of the schools they're at, fights really do happen. Yeah, actually, fairly often. And so, what do you do when your friends in a fight? Well, you can go fight against his the guy he's fighting against, or you can grab your friend and you can pull him away from the conflict. And they've actually talked about how they've done that sometimes at school because they've kind of figured out this actually is a better way to handle this because yeah. if they, if they begin to engage in the fight and attack the other person, well then they're getting in trouble and they've escalating it. And now it becomes, you know, a really actually dangerous situation. And that's actually what we talked about. As we said, when you go and you fight the other person, right? The bad guys, you're not making it safer for your friend. You're making it dangerous for everyone who's at the, at the field, who's right. even close by because now it becomes an all out kind of brawl. Versus yeah. if you can pull the one guy away, well, now you've completely changed it. And so we were able to rehearse that and talk through that. And it's like they've actually learned a, a really practical skill for conflict de-escalation, you know. So yeah. but I think for me, the biggest thing that the biggest problem is in our sports culture is a failure to take responsibility. People right. are failing to take responsibility for what they actually can. And until we do that. So we, the adults, start taking responsibility, we won't see any change at all because we just won't. Yeah. Good stuff. So next week, we're going to talk about, uh, it's lesson two of module one, the solution, transformational coaching. You want to give us a little bit of a, uh, you know, a sneak peek on what that's going to be about. On lesson two. So in lesson one, we often say, wow, we're really, we're really uh, ending this on kind of a down kind of a downer, kind of a down note. Um, you know, the, the, what's the biggest problem in sports? Uh, and, and so in, in lesson two, we begin to talk about, okay, great. We've identified problems. Yes, we have issues. So what do we do about them? What, uh, what does it look like to, uh, uh, you know, to, to lead our, our, our schools, our clubs, our teams, our organizations, and our kids, um, you know, toward, toward solutions, um, because identifying problems is one thing, but if we never talk about, you know, what do we do with this, then, you know, how much good is that really? So, yeah, you mentioned the title of the lesson, the solution, transformational coaching. We are going to, uh, we're going to postulate that, uh, that coaches are really, really well, if not perfectly positioned to, uh, to lead the charge, um, you know, towards working towards solutions uh, to many of these issues that we've identified. So we're going to talk about, you know, what that could look like for coaches to be part of that solution. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'm excited about it. Excited to have more, more discussions around this. And um, if you're enjoying these lessons, feel free to um, send us in questions. Ryan and I would love to, to kick off some of the episodes with answering questions from your coaching life groups or um, just questions you have individually. You can do that. Uh, if you have the anchor app, you can send in a voice um, message uh, or if you just want to do it with a comment or something like that, we can just grab those off and, and use those to answer questions. So, well, thanks so much for joining us and um, we will catch you next time.